to you this morning. This is a message that I probably had for about four weeks on my heart, and I didn't feel released until this morning um, or this week to really just talk to you about it because we've we've had. I, I hope these. I hope the teachings have helped you. I know they've helped me. Um, if God isn't dealing with you right now on things to get rid of attitudes to do things, then it, you know you better examine yourself because God is, should be dealing with all of us to come up a little bit higher in our Christian walk right now because time is short. The, the message this morning is we know in part. And our world is in such a mess right now. Somebody from Pittsfield posted this morning they paid $4.79 for gas. But our help is not in the world, it's in the Word. We have to stay in the Word. It's time to step up. It's not time to back down. It's not time to retreat. It's not time to go into the bomb shelters with your cans of beans and your water and everything else. It's not time for that, amen? We gotta have to go forward, and we have to let others know that there is a God, and he loves us. This nation is under judgment right now, and we're going to suffer just like in the Old Testament. The saints had to go through it. In the, in the New Testament, the, the disciples were persecuted, and we're not any different. I was talking to somebody recently, and she goes, well, we're just going to be raptured. And I said, no, I'm sorry, we're not going to be raptured. We're going to have to go through some things, and we're going to have the grace to do it. When it happens, if we can sit and listen and get as much teaching and as much Bible inside of you, you're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. God will help us to get through this. But we can't hide our, our heads in the sand and just hope that God's going to rapture us before it all takes place. He warned us in there. He says you're going to face persecution. It's spelled out in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians 13, 9-13, it says, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. Now I know in part that I shall know fully, even as I have been known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three things, but the greatest of these is love. We only know a part. Listen, this whole thing, the war in the Ukraine, it's all been orchestrated. It's not like it just showed up. Don't you think that there's people that knew exactly what was going to go on? And how convenient it is for the administration here that there's a war going on to take the attention off of what they're doing in this country? I mean, it's, it's been orchestrated. Don't get sucked into the hysteria. He said there's going to be wars, there's going to be rumors of wars, there's going to be all kinds of calamities. And we know this because it says it in the Word. And according to Matthew Henry in this, it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Matthew Henry said, Faith fixes on the divine revelation and assents to that. 
Hope fastens on future happiness and waits for it. And in heaven, faith will be swallowed up in vision and hope in fruition. There is no room to believe in hope when we see and enjoy. Amen? Love never fails, and it is a permanent grace, as lasting as, as eternity. Because why? Because God is love. So that's why love is the greatest out of all of these three. In the last days, Jesus warned that there would be such trouble that many Christians would lose their love for one another. We have to remember to love one another. He also warned that family members will rise up against one another. I wouldn't have thought that till a few years ago when my daughter totally cut me off because I voted the way she didn't want me to. She came around since and grew up. My son still is not talking, about, talking to me. But I wouldn't think that. So don't be surprised. Jesus said it in the Word. Amen? He said in Matthew 24, 10 through 12, he said, And many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. We have to keep our love walk. We have to keep that preeminent. We have to heed the warning. If we're to survive the coming days, we have to guard our emotions. We have to put a guard on them. We have to submit our emotions to the will of God and see things which are so evil. As we see things that are evil coming to pass, we have to guard our emotions. Don't hate these people. Pity them. I, I look at our president, I just feel pity because, you know, when he steps into eternity, all of the, the wheelings, the dealings, the bribes that he's done for the last 50 years, they're not going to get him a better place in hell. Excuse me, they're not. We love our children. We see what our children every, are facing every day, and it just breaks my heart to see what's going on. I saw a little video of kindergartners holding Black Lives Matter signs walking up and down the hallway in a, in a kindergarten. I mean, it just, it's pathetic. We see what's happening in our country, and it just breaks our heart. But we have to be tough, and we have to look at the lens, through the lens of God's word. We can be of great use to the kingdom in these last days if we hold on to the word, if we do not faint. Amen? And we have to keep a light hold of the things of this earth and be ready to give them up at a moment's notice. I love this church. I came in this morning to get everything ready, and I said, God, I just love this church. Every day I come in, when I come in, I go, I just love this church. I go into the fellowship hall, and I go, I love this fellowship hall. I go into my little craft area. Ooh, I really love this craft area. I wish I had more time right now to be in there. But I can go in there and sneak in a little bit and go, oh, I love that and I love that. And I love the pictures of my kids when they were babies. I love the pictures that I have of, of Pastor and I when we've gone out on, on different vacations and different things. But you know what? I have to be willing to let them go in a minute. And so you have to be willing to let it go in a minute. Remember, Abraham's nephew Lot in Genesis 19 was commanded to leave Sodom immediately and to not look back. His wife looked back and was instantly turned into a pillar of salt. The Hebrew for look back means she kept looking back steadily, wistfully, and with desire because her heart was in Sodom. We can't look back. I love the, the things that have happened in, in the old moves of God for, 
as far as I was in the 90s and what I saw. I mean, you guys were in on more on the ground floor. But those things are over with. We can't look wistfully back and want the old days back. Those days are long gone. They're never coming back. They're never coming back. We can't just hold on to it. And Jesus, Jesus even said, he, he gave credence, because you say, well, you know, that's why she really, did she really turn into a pill, pillar of salt, or was that just metaphorical? You know, we get so, we don't take the Bible literally sometimes, but Jesus said in Luke 17, 26 through 32, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he said, That which shall be on the housetop and is stuck in the house, let him not come back down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. Says so, that's Luke 17, 32. Remember Lot's wife. Don't think of these things. These things are fun to have. I love my sewing machine, my knitting, my cats. My, I, I love it all, but I've got to be willing to let it go. And you've got to be willing to let the things go in your heart because these things will kill you. He said those that want to save their life are going to lose their life. Those that lose their life are going to save their lives. Which one are you going to be? Now we have to make the decision. You can't make it then because you're going to decide out of panic at that point. See, the, these teachings that we've had from the first of the year when Pastor started with the End Time series, these teachings are helping you to come to a decision. I pray, number one, that you've got a firmer foundation than you did three months ago. And number two, that you won't fear in this day. Don't dread the day. Do you think that God is able to fill your gas tank? Do you think that God is able to fill your belly? See, we can't gripe about these things. The children of Israel griped. They were in Egyptian bondage. God released them. He gave them manna. And what did they do? They said, well, we'd rather be in Egypt. Are you getting the point? <laughs> Don't complain. When you go and fill up your gas tank, fill it up and go, Lord, I thank you that you've given me the resources to fill my tank. Amen? Amen. Don't sit there and sweat and go, I'm on a fixed income. <laughs> go in there, who's fixed it for you? The devil's fixed it. Where? In your brain. Do you think God can give you good gas mileage and make that gas go more further than what it could naturally? Do you think God could multiply your food? I mean, we say that now because we all have full bellies and probably a full gas tank if you're smart. <laughs> but <laughs> what about when things get tough? But see, this is right now the proving ground. Can you do it now while it's still easy? 
I mean, we've seen so many changes in two years. And each, each day, passing day, gets a little bit harder. But that's like building up. You know, Pastor Clarence, right now, he's, he's exercising. He's building himself up. <laughs> Put a little meat on that bone. But every day he's doing more and more. Why? Because he's getting stronger and stronger. And this is what we want to be doing with our Christian faith. So train yourself when you go to the gas station. Father, I thank you that you provide always. I thank you, Lord. When we go in the grocery store, I get up in the morning and I say, Lord, I thank you for this, just this one day of freedom that you've given me. Freedom to move about. Freedom to do what I want to do today. And now I submit my time to you. And see, it's better than... Turn, the, turn it around on the devil. Don't sit there and run in fear. Why, why play the devil's game? Amen? Don't be afraid. The past is gone. This is not our home. We're willing to let go of the things of the earth. Then God can help us. Amen? Stop looking back. I love some of the stories from the back, but stop telling those old stories. Go forward. Amen? Start a new song. Get a new song. Get a new, a new stream, what God is doing now. Amen? It says in 2 Peter 2, 9-12, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you, as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of the visitation. Another translation says as strangers and aliens. And more and more I'm getting the revelation of that because I don't want to be part of this world, do you? It just seems like it's it's so strange. It's it's really the things that are happening now are just so against everything that I believe. In John 15, 16 through 20, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatso whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. But if you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So don't be so surprised at any of this. Remember the word I, that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they kept my word, they will also keep yours. We're not, we're in this world, but not of it. John 17, 13 through 16. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that now they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Amen. That should be our prayer. Lord, don't take us out, but keep us from evil. 
the Lord's Prayer, that they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. Jesus came as a stranger and alien. He had to have a, a legal entry, so he came in legally through the womb of Mary. But he was still not of this world. When we got born again, we gave up our citizenship in this world, and we became heavenly citizens. Amen? Amen? Amen. We're not of this world. We can look at look at these things going on and say, thank God, I'm not of this world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17, it says, do not love the things, do not love the world or the things in this world. If anybody loves the world and the love of Father is not in him, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Amen. Amen. We only know in part what's going on. But we know that we can trust God that he's got everything under control. God, we can't rely on the news media to be truthful. I mean, I think we already know that. They're not truthful at all. Don't get carried away. And don't become frightened. Don't become bitter. And don't panic. God has everything under control. He said he wasn't going to leave us nor forsake us no matter what happens. We can only see part of what's happening in the world. But rest assured that God will punish the leaders who have perpetrated this wickedness on the world. Amen. He will punish them. As we think about Herod where he stood up and he declared himself to be God and he was eaten by worms very shortly afterwards. God is not, God's not asleep on this job. God has got his hands of protection on us. You know, we don't have to worry. When you think about, when you're looking at the next uh, worry is cyber attacks. And we may not be able to communicate with one another. So don't panic. If you get anything out of it this morning, don't panic. That's right. We can, we communicate with God. Amen. We'll never lose that communication. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Even in the lowest of the lowest places here, he'll never leave us. Like Pastor said, we could leave him, but he'll never leave us. But let's, let's just look at the wicked for a little bit. It says in Isaiah 5.20, it says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He said woe. If you read that whole chapter, it's not like woe. It's like woe, W-O-E. In other words, big trouble coming to these people that do that. He promises he's going to bring judgment. We can see it from the Old Testament. God used invading armies to bring judgment to Israel. We're not any different than Israel. What's happened in this country is a travesty. And he's going to bring judgment. With a final call to the backslider. The final call to the sinner to repent. Because there's still, still some fruit out there that needs to be harvested. God's not willing for one to perish but for all to come to repentance. Judgment right now is to bring back, to bring the sinner back. Just like when we read in, in the Old Testament, 
The judgment was to bring the backslider back. But unfortunately, we're all going to have to suffer through it. We're all going to have to suffer through what's coming. God is warning wicked rulers that they too will be judged and their possessions won't save them. In fact, God uses their possessions as a judgment against them, and we're going to see that in a minute. The rich will experience misery in the very things they now place their happiness in and they sold their souls for. And that's a, a damnation for them. They're going to experience damnation and death, and in this life, they're going to experience judgment. Don't worry about it. I, I look at some of these people that have power in this country and in the world, and I just tremble. Because I, I don't believe there's hope for some of them. I think some of them have sold out totally. And God's just using them to set up what he, he wants to set up. But their riches will be corrupted, their expensive items will become worthless, and it'll be a judgment against them here. And it says so, if you look in James chapter 5, verse 1. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like a fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you, and the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on earth in luxury and in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. It says, come now, weep and howl. Now this has been used, maybe you've never heard this, but I heard it, you know, that this is, this is setting up the great wealth transfer. All right, let, let's break this down. Number one, there is no great wealth transfer. We don't need money, okay? I mean, yeah, money is nice to have. I'm not saying we don't need money, but I'm saying that the riches of this world is going to be worthless. And for years, I sat in a church that said, you know, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just, and they used this passage, and this passage has been misrepresented. It is not a wealth passage. It's a passage of pronouncing judgment against those who have bribed and corrupted and everything else their way into great riches. He's saying that you are under a judgment. And you're going to weep and you're going to howl because your, your money is going to be worthless. In the day of slaughter, they've, they've slaughtered. Do you know in China, and I didn't know this, but they enslaved Christians. They sent them to work in the factories for the products that we buy. I was sick. I was sick over that. But everything you look is made in China. A lot of it's been made off the backs of slaves. What are we doing? What kind of world is this? And that's what he's talking about. There's no great wealth transfer. And if you're putting your hope on a great end time wealth transfer, then you've put your hope in the wrong place. Put your hope in Jesus Christ. Put your hope in God. Your wealth, you've amassed wealth. 
I've told you about the financial schemes that, that our church, that, that some of the people in the church got into, never came to fruition. Why? Because it was a scam. People can get scammed when they get scared. Don't get scared. This life is fleeting and it's temporary. Whatever gains elitists have made in this life won't matter. They think when they die, they're going to sit somewhere nice. I don't think they believe in God. I don't know what they think. I don't think they've much considered it. What's going to happen? But just because you don't believe in God doesn't make God not real. Amen? Just because you don't believe that Jesus is the only way doesn't make it not real. Jesus is the only way. There's no second plan for the, the sinner. The only plan for the sinner is come and repent and be born again. There's no like plan B to this. Matthew Henry said this about the passage that I just wrote. Inanimate things are frequently represented in scripture as witnessing against wicked men. Why? Because the things of this world have a hold on them. So what's going to witness against them? The things that they have a hold on are going to witness against them. Do you, think, do you think they're happy when they're home? I'm sure that they're content as far as physically because they have everything. They have all this power and stuff. But what about when they put their head down at night? Can they sleep? Can they sleep without a sleeping pill? Can they get up in the morning without anxiety medicine? I don't know. I can't answer for them. Covetousness is laid, up, is laid to the charge of this people. They laid by their garments till they bred moths. I mean, garments, if you ever had a moth-eaten garment, you know it's true. It's like, where did these moths come from? We have a more maybe up in New England because we have more wool clothing. But you could put away a, a piece of wool clothing and take it out again, and it's got all holes in it. It's like, what? What happened to it? Well, the garments bred it, didn't they? They hoarded up their gold and silver till it was rusty and cankered. It is a great disgrace to these very things that they carry in them the principles of their own corruption. That's why he says don't trust the things in this world, because they carry in them the principles of their own corruption. David Wilkerson, I've been listening to his sermons, and he tells of, of a time in the 70s or 80s that he decided, after looking around at that point, the world and he decided he was going to be self-sufficient so he bought a huge ranch out in Texas and he bought some cattle and he had some ponds made and had some crops built and he said all the cattle got diseased and died the fish died and he said and it cost him more for his crops to grow them than it did if he had just gone to the grocery store and, and eaten them. And he finally said, okay, God, I get the message. See, the things of this world, God can use them as a corruption against us. So he says, don't put your affections in there because if you get too affected with them, if you get too much in love with them, God will cause them to malfunction. Amen? Why? Because they're, they're subject to corruption in this world. The garment breeds the moth that frets it. The gold and silver breeds the canker that eats it. Amazing, isn't it? But the disgrace falls most heavily upon those who hoard and laid it up 
lay up those things till they come to be corrupted and cankered and eaten. There's judgment coming for the wicked. Amen. There'll be a swift witness against all the ungodly. Don't you worry about it. Their day is coming. We need to be on the offense. We don't need to be on the defense. We don't need to be afraid of these wicked people. They're under judgment as they speak. Listen to this in Malachi 3, 2 through 5. It says, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord, as in the days of old and in former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. He's going to be a swift witness, and a day to the Lord is like a thousand years. He's a swift witness. Judgment is coming upon the wicked, those that refuse to get in the safety of the shelter of the arms of Christ. Backslidden Christian, repent, get right with God. Amen. There's a judgment coming for the world elites. But the Holy Spirit exhorts us to be patient for that. Even though there's a delay, their time is coming. Consider the saints of old and the saints that now suffer persecution. We are not going to be undone. What was the word? We're not going to be exempt from it. Thank you. We're not going to escape it. The storm is coming. Amen? Are you laughing? Because <laughs> you said, I, I know she would do that. <laughs> so we read in James about where did we leave up? All right, number six. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Let's go back to James, verse 7, and continue on. So we've already established that there's going to be a swift judgment for the wicked. And God has pretty much established that. But listen to what God says now to us. Be patient, therefore, brethren. Wait until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and latter rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patient, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He says, be patient. Even though you see what's going on now, be patient. Be established in your heart. Don't grumble against one another. Learn from the old, from the old prophets. I mean, Isaiah was sawed in half. Look at the book that we've got from Isaiah, but look at his end. Why? Because the wicked one hated what he said, but his word endured forever. 
Amen? Amen. You're, you're leaving a lasting legacy with your stand for Christ. Be patient. The farmer waits for a crop. Surely we can wait for our crowns of glory. Amen? We can wait. Why? Because the minute we became born again, we died to ourselves. We're already dead. Who can we fear? What can man do unto us? God is the one that holds our lives. Guard against being worried and anxious. You might see someone who you think is better off. Watch what you say, especially about other Christians. That's all right, we'll wait. <laughs> Watch what you say. I thought that was a good emphasis on, on what I was saying. There's a human tendency just to judge somebody. And um, until you've walked in their shoes, it, you know, well, why did they do it like that? I don't know. I can count for me, and I'm responsible for my behavior. I don't want to judge anybody else for what they're doing. Amen? We think we know people and their motives when we see their behavior, but it's far better for everyone if everyone would just mind their own business. Mind your business. Don't mind your neighbor's business. If you see somebody in a fall, pray for them and don't grumble and gossip about it. Listen, we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And this goes back to what? Walk in love. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the love of many are going to grow cold in this hour. If you're complaining and grumbling, guess what? That thing is going to come upon you and you're not going to stop. Because it'll, it, once it gets its hooks in you, it's gonna, it won't finish with you until you have a bitter spirit. So he says walk in love. Don't look at what's going on in the world and start getting bitter over these people. Just start looking at them and saying, oh God, I see their judgments coming and it's at hand. You don't know the entire situation, especially with Christians. You just don't know. You may think you know. You don't know anything. Okay, you, you know about your own life. You don't know anything about my life. You might think you do, but you don't. And I don't know anything about your life. Why? Because I'm not you. So, there we are. Don't grumble. Don't complain. And when we talk about afflictions, I, I agree with what Matthew Henry said. He said, the best way to bear afflictions is to look to the end of them and the pity of God is such that he will not delay the bringing of them to an end when his purposes are once answered. When he was done with the captivity of the Israelites, he immediately he ended it and he blessed them. But he blessed them through it in their afflictions. We're teaching the children on, on right now we're going through uh, children of the Bible and we're on Daniel. And we're, we, we said to the kids, you know, they had to leave their mom and dad. They didn't see their mom and dad anymore. And they had to make decisions. And so we're talking to them about affliction on their own level. We're not, like, scaring them. I hope we're not scaring them. But it says that God will not delay the bringing of them to an end when his purposes are once answered. And the tender mercy of God is such that he will make his people abundant amends for all their suffering and affliction. His bowels are moved for them while suffering. His bounty is manifested afterwards. Let us serve our God and endure our trials as those who believe the end will crown all. Amen? 
let's believe that God has got his hand on us through the afflictions, and let's believe that he's not going to afflict us longer than he needs to. I heard a ministry, and I might have said it last week, where he said, God's not going to allow the Antichrist to abuse his church. He's not coming back for an abused church. Amen. So if we stand strong and we don't cower down, we don't bow down, who thought with a fiery furnace that they were going to come out? I'm sure that they really were standing there with a, a, an enormous amount of grace on them, defying the king saying, King, if we burn, that's okay. If God saves us, that's okay. But we're not obeying you, we're obeying God. I'm sure on the inside they were a little a little frightened, because they're human, they were human. But that has to be our attitude. We're not gonna bend or bow. And I'm going to read this whole psalm to you because I thought this was a, a good way to end this. Because we need to fret not. Amen. Psalm 37, and the psalms are just such a, a great book of encouragement. But it was when David, a lot of those psalms were, were written when David was having great trouble and when he was running. See, if you look at all history, we, I think, in this country have been handicapped because we've had it so good for so long that this this generation growing up doesn't know anything about distress or trouble because they've had so good but it says in Psalm 37 fret not yourself because of evildoers be not envious of wrongdoers for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices, Refrain from anger, forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it only tends to evil. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked, for he sees his day coming. Mm -hmm. The wicked draws the sword and bends their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those who, whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter in their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine, they have an abundance. Mm -hmm. Memorize that scripture. In the days of famine, we have an abundance. Yeah. Amen? Don't worry. Why? Because the word says, in the days of famine, we'll have an abundance. 
But the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows but does not pay back. But the righteous is generous and gives. So don't hold, don't hold back your giving. Amen? For those blessed by the Lord shall inherit the land, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be cast headlong, for the Lord upholds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Your children won't suffer. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Turn away from evil and do good, so you shall live forever. For the Lord loves justice, he will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart, his steps do not slip. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. Why? Because we choose to lay our lives down. No man takes it from us. Why? Because we belong to God. We've already passed from death to life. So when we go, when we die, when we open that door to go to that next dimension, which is heaven, we choose to open that door. When God says open it, we're going to open it. If it's not our time yet, then we're not going. The devil can't take our lives. Amen? Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. I have seen a wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. But he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Though I saw him, he could not be found. Well, look at that. Mark the blameless, and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. But transgression, transgressors shall be altogether destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in time of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Amen. Amen. Don't lose your love walk. Take the warning. Obey the warning in here where he's warned us, don't let your love grow cold when you see the iniquity, when you see the lawlessness. Don't become, don't, don't hide yourself. Just like the one that had one talent, he went and hid himself. He went and hit the talent because he was scared. Don't hide your talent. This is not the time to hide. This is the time to shine. This is the time to really follow the Lord, to see that the harvest is ripe, to see that the workers are few, to see that it's time more now to step up, not to step back. All the wealth we need is in the Word. Amen? The Word is our wealth. Just look at all of those that didn't, they, they had money. I'm sure they had money. Noah must have had some wealth to build such a boat. 
but he didn't need money, he needed wisdom and obedience. And that's what we need, is wisdom and obedience. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with money. But if you look at it, the system's failing. Your money's not going to be worth anything. You know, when Pastor Clarence and I were thinking about getting married, he said to me, he didn't have much money. I mean, he wanted to give me a heads up. He wasn't wealthy. Okay. And um, what I said to him was, you have faith. And to me, that's worth more than if you had a million dollars. Because a million dollars could be taken away, but nobody can take away your faith. Amen. None of us lack for anything because of faith. God gives us witty inventions. He gives us ideas. If you have money, God will preserve your money. He'll give you ways and he'll tell you how to invest in it so that it it lasts longer. Amen? I mean, we don't have to worry. The wealth that we need is in the word. Listening to God. Hearing what God has to tell us. If he says, get up and move and leave everything, we've got to be willing to do that. We have to have a light hold on the things of this this earth. Because he may very well tell us to leave. We can't say, oh, I've stored up all that canned goods and now I've got to leave them behind, Lord. <laughs> well, if you say, you might be right in the middle of a war zone and God sees it and he knows it and he wants us to get out. Or we might that's my, where we have our final hurrah is in the middle of a war zone. I don't know. I'm not a prophet. I can't tell you everything that's going to happen. But I do know that if we keep our love walk strong, if we obey God, then we're going to make it to the end. Amen? So let's just pray. And for those of you who are listening that you need to get right with God, then this is a good time to get right with God. Amen? It's a good time to get right. Because it the, the time's coming. We need God. We need the wisdom of God flowing through our lives. I'm just going to pray for all of us, Father. We are thanking you that we live in the greatest time that we will see the return of the Lord. And, Father, we know that it's going to be rough sledding between the time that we see Jesus and the time that just that time is going to have a little rough sledding, Lord. And we're just thanking you, Father, that we have the grace. Father, we have the grace to go through it. Because you give it to us, Father, at the time we need it. Father, I thank you that you're strengthening each and every one of us. Lord, that we have a light hold on the things of this earth. Father, that we have a grace to enjoy the bounty that you've given us. And yet, Lord, when you say turn it loose, Lord, we'll be willing to turn it loose. Father, most importantly, we thank you for the salvation of our loved ones. Father, we are holding up your word to you that says that you're not willing for one to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Father, there are those that are in the valley of decision right now. And Holy Spirit, you can speak to them, you can draw them, you can woo them. And Lord, we are just thanking you. We thank you, Father, for the salvation of our loved ones, for our friends. Father, that you would make us a bolder witness than what we've ever been. And Father, we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. You know, each generation, I mean, there's been a lot of generations since Jesus was crucified.
crucified and resurrected. Lots of generations. But you know, the Word of God stands true. All of those prophets, what they spoke, Peter, James, John, Paul. Paul was one that persecuted the church, but Paul got a revelation of Jesus Christ. And you know, the thing is, each generation walked in the knowledge that they had at that time. That's what we walk in. We walk in the knowledge that we have. But today, knowledge has increased. Revelation knowledge has increased. Because now we can look back. If we were in the 40s, we could look and say, the end is up on us. Amen? And really, the 40s to now is not that many years, really, when you get to looking at it. It's not really that long of a period. It's not like a thousand years. Or <laughs> but, you know, the thing is, all, all each generation, you know, we, we have that hope. That hope. How many of those is called the blessed hope? That's why it's called the blessed hope. That hope of the Lord coming back. He's coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years. We're going to be with him on that one. Amen? All of us will be. But you know the thing is, as we as we see things progress, now, you know, you know the, the, the disciples had Ezekiel, Daniel, you know, they had these old prophets. They had the, the scrolls that they had written. All of these prophecies that we're looking at today, Ezekiel 38, 37, 38, 39, all of that's happening right here before our eyes. And we're seeing these things come to pass. Jesus is saying, prepare. <laughs> Get ready. I mean, if we got 20 years, that's not very long. Personally, I don't know if it's going to be 20 years before all of this begins to unfold and, and it comes to a real climax of it all. But it's going to happen. And you know, we can't criticize generations back because when they were alive, they saw these prophecies and things happening in this world and they said, surely Jesus is coming. See, we're not, we're not saying Jesus is How many understand we're not saying Jesus isn't coming? He is coming. He's going to come. And Paul even spoke it. It's going to come like a thief in the night. And these are the word, these are words from the prophets of God. And but you know, as we as we go with the Lord, the thing is this: a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. A thousand years is as one day. And we've seen thousands of years go by. But we do know also, according to history, every two thousand years, something big happens world. <laughs> Amen. The world was created. Two thousand years later the flood came. Two thousand years after that Jesus was born. And how we know we're coming up on the next two thousand. And that seven thousand years is going to be that time of ruling and reigning with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. In that seventh in that seventh time. So we're living in the end time. We are, we are in the end times. Every time you hear the news report, every time you read the newspaper, every time somebody tells me, what do you think about what, what Putin's doing now? Well, you know what? 
Putin's right in the, in the mix of it, but you know, Russia will be destroyed. Amen. And that's not, listen, there's Christians in Russia. There's believers all over this world. There's Christians in China. There's Christians, a lot of Christians in the Ukraine. There's a lot of Christians in the United States. Believe it or not. Amen. But you know what? God's got his eye upon us. His eyes on the sparrow. He's not going to leave us alone in a lurch. But he's also preparing us so we can be prepared and ready to do what God's called us to do in this evil day that we're in. How many knows this is an evil time? I'll tell you what. Because in the midst of it, you know what God's going to do? He's going to give us peace. Oh, peace. God bless you.